Welcome back to Football on the 40. The Horns are number seven in this season's first college football playoff poll after a 7-1 start to the season and last week's commanding victory over BYU. We'll spend a few minutes breaking down the big win over BYU, discuss the CFP rankings, then look forward to this weekend's matchup against Kansas State. Lastly, like every week, we'll share our picks in betting corner. I'm Kevin Mathis, joined by Bowen Kai and Andrew Harris. Sadly, Jake, our usual host, was not able to make it since he's helping his fiance move. And as always, Football on the 40 is produced by Hamilton Leiser. Um, let's check in. How was your weekend, guys? Bowen? Yeah, how does all the weekend? Um, went to a college buddy's wedding that was in town. So it was the first time Emily and I left Theo for longer than a meal. Um, and things went well. Her mom came over. It's great. She gave us tons of updates, which which we asked for. So we left right after speeches and kind of did a Kevin patented Irish Irish exit. So it's good. Made it back home in time. Um, and uh, had a lot of fun. So yeah, Kev, what about you? I was in Austin. I went to the game. Um, sat with Jake and Sam and Garrett. Had a good time with them. Uh, got a kick out of y'all seats and made fun of the <laughs> made fun of the view on our Instagram story, which I got a kick out of. But um, took in the big BYU win, and we had our Christmas card photo shoot on Sunday afternoon, which was interesting. We had a blast doing it last year when Hayes was about three months old, and adding a year to that and how mobile he is now, it was really difficult he was not about it <laughs> uh, where did y'all so, take it kev we took it at the houston arboretum oh okay good spot good spot yeah yeah as did about 15 other families at the same time so <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was nice weather yeah it was it was right when the grunt came in um so hopefully there's at least one good photo in there i think that there will be but we'll see there you go. Um, my weekend was good. Um, ended up not going to the game this weekend and uh, just stayed back in Houston. Um, but yeah, I um uh, happy we won. I definitely think we left some opportunities out there on the field, but happy for Malik. He had a kind of rough going at first. Uh, that in- first interception was really bad, but the fumble the second fumble or I guess the fumble by him wasn't nearly as bad uh in my opinion I, I don't think that was really his fault it was just poor blocking um Jay Brooks just wasn't able to get over to help uh um chip that defensive end for BYU but I think after that fumble he went like 13 of 18 um I forget I forget how many yards but he definitely responded and I think overall had a decent first game considering the circumstances and not having a lot of time to prep but what was y'all's mm-hmm. impressions of the game Bowen how about you yeah I thought it was um uh, given how how worried I was for BYU coming into town and granted I was very excited for Malik but echo Andy's sentiments I mean I think it was good to get a pretty resounding win um that yeah that that the guys I mean even though I guess we scored a lot late but I wasn't ever like super super worried so that was that was pretty nice to see Kev what about you 
Yeah, they took care of him. I was in the fourth quarter really hoping we could see Arch and was kind of frustrated in the stands that we weren't able to see him get meaningful snaps on the field or play at all. It was like an interesting combination of Malik not playing well enough to establish a lead so that Arch could come in and also not playing poorly enough where we completely gave up on him and benched him. I think if he were to turn the ball over, you know, three times in the first half, we'd be talking more about Arch now, but it was just that like weird middle area where we didn't quite have a big enough lead to change quarterbacks, which is good and bad because I think that signals to Arch too, like, hey, during your first start, we're going to stand by you if you struggle a little bit early. Um, So at the game, though, I definitely wanted to see Arch and was yelling for Arch in the stands. Um, Also, another bad red zone performance. I think there was there was one instance late in the game where we had a, a fourth and short really deep in the red zone. And if we would have kicked the field goal, it would have been a three possession game. And we went for it for the second time and, and didn't convert. We were only two yeah. and five in our, the red zone, which which is pretty our bad. Goal line, our goal line packages need some extra love this week. I, we can't we can't figure it out. I don't know what's wrong. Yeah, yeah. That, that was m- mostly it, though. I think um, the fan experience was the most interesting part of it was talking to some BYU fans. They travel really well. It seemed um, like there was a lot of them in the stands. There were, there were a lot of them came and not many Texas fans showed up. I think there was like maybe 65,000 people there. There was a lot of big gaps in the stadium. Um, On our Uber ride, I posted this on our story (laughs) on our Uber ride to the stadium. We passed this like uh, huge group of friends, I guess that were riding, you know, lime scooters to the game. And there was, I'm not exaggerating, like 24 of them, like back to back to back to back that we were were passing. There were a lot of the story just kept going. It was great, great framing, Kevin. Yeah, Garrett Garrett (laughs) took that. So nice job, Garrett. And and really nice people. I mean, some of them were from Austin. I've talked to a lot of opposing fans at DKR and oftentimes piss them off when I'm like, welcome to Austin. And they're like, I live here, dude. Um, But one of the more interesting interactions I had was some young guys that had just graduated from BYU came down from, I think, Salt Lake City. And I just chatted with them a little a little bit by the north end zone before I walked into the stadium. And one of the interesting things they asked me was like, hey, we don't drink at all, but we want to go to 6th Street. What do you recommend? It's like, hmm. I told them not to go to 6th Street, but thought it was cool that they still wanted to go, you know, to the bar areas, even though they were going to be sober that night. Anyways, nice, nice people. Glad to get that win. Uh, would have been really ugly for our season had we lost that one, but we did, did get a big one there. They never got in the end zone. Um, some exciting news at this stage of the week and this stage of the season is that the first college football playoff poll is out and the committee has ranked Texas amongst our peers. Um, Andrew, what are we seeing out of the CFP poll? Yeah, so Texas is coming in at number seven uh, in the poll. I think Kev mentioned that in the introduction, which is the first time ever Texas has been in the top 10 in the college football poll. And that poll has been around, what, I guess 10 seasons now? It started in 2014, right? Um, So um, 
I think that's I think that's ten seasons if I did my math correct. But yeah, it sounds uh, about right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so that's exciting. It's I don't know what the season holds uh, for the rest of the games for Texas, but it is fun to you know be finally be in the top ten. You know, most of the times we've we've either been like out of the poll completely, or maybe like twenty first or twenty second, and then we lose, and then we're out of the poll, and it's just not a fun time. So I'll run down the poll real quick. Um, I'll just do the top ten. I'm not going to bore you all with all the teams, but uh, at number one is Ohio State, then Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Washington, Oregon, Texas, Alabama, Oklahoma. Ole Miss. Out of those 10, which one surprises you the most? Let's, Kev, go ahead. I think it's a split between where Michigan's ranked and Ole Miss. Uh, not following the SEC closely. I didn't really know that Ole Miss was on the tear that they are on. And um, with how Michigan's been dominating, I figured they would be one or two. Um but being at this stage in the season, I don't think there are a lot of like, you know, oh my goodness, surprises. What did y'all think? Yeah, I mean, it's just it, it was it was straight pretty straightforward. I I'm surprised Michigan's not up a little bit more. It's interesting because Ohio State, it seemed like they factored in the strength of record so far, which is fine. But if you do that, then I think Texas honestly has a better strength of record than Oregon right now, even though Oregon looks like the better team um, than Texas at the moment. So it's just interesting because it doesn't seem like they're using like a consistent guideline, but that's kind of what the committee has done this whole time. Um, So it's kind of hard to read their minds, but that's one thing that kind of stuck, stuck out to me. I think they got it right with OU losing this weekend to have the order of Texas, Alabama, Oklahoma. I, I think that feels right. And we'll see what happens this weekend. Uh, big implications with uh, with Bedlam up in uh, Stillwater. So. Yeah, I think obviously Jake's not here, but he texted us a couple hours ago. He feels like the committee is putting us in charge of our destiny, ranking us higher than any other Big 12 team. And recognizing that the Big 12 is actually pretty strong this year. I think you mentioned there's five Big 12 teams ranked. Yeah, there's five teams, so um, we'll see how long that lasts for. But um, the Big 12, they I, I'm surprised. I didn't think there – if you would have asked me a couple weeks ago, I don't. I would, I would not have said that there would have been five teams in the first ranking. But, Bo, do you have any thoughts about the, the first uh, release of the poll? Um, I feel like the only one that was like, I'm not even sure about anymore. Well, cause I haven't really watched a ton of their games, but Florida state of the games that I have watched, I think I watched some of their game against Duke and I think, I, I don't even think Riley Leonard was in right. Or he got injured that game. Like, if yeah, he, he got injured. If he stayed in, I don't know if Florida state wins that. And I don't know. I feel like maybe that one was kind of surprising to me. And then they had a close win against someone else earlier in the season. I forgot, but um, I actually was going to ask for Bedlam. You know, Texas OU rivalry aside, are we are we cheering for 
Oklahoma State at this point or OU? Like, I, I think it just depends on who you rather want to play because I think the winner of that game will be in the Big 12 championship. Hmm. So, um, yeah, a lot of implications going forward. It's not 100% certain that will be the case, but o- Oklahoma State, I think they play like UCF, um, Houston, and BYU to close it out after Bedlam. So they don't really play anyone tough, and um, OU doesn't really either. So, um, yeah, it just depends on who you want to play. I think I'd just cheer for Oklahoma State because it's their their last shot in a massive in-state rivalry maybe for the next 12 years. Having lived in Oklahoma briefly, like I've seen those water cooler interactions between OSU and OU fans, and to think that they're losing that game is, is a pretty big deal. And, um, you know, after losing to Alabama State or whatever it was earlier this year, I think they they got to be pretty pleased with how their team's been playing lately. So that'll be an interesting one to watch. Yeah, for sure. Um, what Kev, just kind of a little tangent real quick. Based on your living experience in Oklahoma, would you say it's pretty split, the fandom between the two schools? There's definitely a lot more Oklahoma State fans around than I would have guessed because you would think that Oklahoma being the nationally established program, there'd be a lot more crimson than orange, but it's closer to 50-50 than you would think. The Oklahoma fans definitely outnumber OSU fans, but um, yeah, there's there's a ton of orange and a lot of OSU pride there for sure. It's kind of kind of a, a weak answer, but it's it's definitely more a part of living in Oklahoma than I would have guessed before being there yeah Mm -hmm. for sure but it'll be interesting to see how this poll you know how the ranking plays out throughout the season just kind of remind the listeners the first ever college football poll that was um that was released florida state mississippi state auburn and old miss were in the first ever like top four of the ranking in 2014 and only Florida State made the college football playoff. So it just shows that a lot can change within a month. And hopefully that's good news for Texas. We'll see. We have a very tough matchup this weekend. But um, Kev, Bo, unless you all have anything else to say, I think we need to give it a quick shout out to our sponsors. Yeah, let's let's go to, go to the ad break and we'll break down Kansas State when we get back. Cool. This Football on the 40 episode is brought to you by Hospitology. Hospitology is a weekly newsletter written by fellow Longhorn Blake Madden. It covers interesting, not boring stories at the intersection of business and healthcare, like why Amazon bought One Medical, and interesting health tech startups paving the way for the future of healthcare. If you want to get smarter on the crazy world of healthcare, subscribe to Hospitology today at workweek.com forward slash brand forward slash hospitology. And we're back with the game preview. So this Saturday's matchup against Kansas State is at DKR, big noon at 11 a.m. Central. The game will be on Fox. The weather not provided by Jake, but provided by our side. 
Um, we're looking at a high of 79, a low of 61. Likely won't rain, but you know, in post-production, we'll see what Jake has to say about that. So it'll also be in the first home game I'm getting to go to this season. So I'm personally looking forward to that. Kevin, would you hear in the in Sark's press conference that this week? Uh, the versatility thing was starting to get on my nerves. Um, I think already on two of our podcasts, I've talked about this and he did it again, but he, he spends like the first third of each interview now talking about the versatility of the team and how we can win yeah. different ways. Um, he talked a little bit about Malik and his performance. And um, it was interesting to hear his comments on Malik shifting that from preparing for his first start to talking about him like he's the established starter. So I think that tells us that Quinn's, you know, on schedule with his recovery and not going to be a factor preparing and going into this Kansas state game. Um, talked a little bit about the red zone struggles, but I really wasn't able to get over the, the versatility coach speak um, in this one. Andrew, what would you take from Sark's comments this week? Um, well, were y'all surprised how he talked about the CF people? I think he had a strong statement for sure about why he wanted to advocate for us being ranked higher than Alabama. Um, are you referencing his saying that Texas has the best win of the college football season so far? Yeah, which is just interesting to me that he commented on that because he even mentioned this that there's still a long ways to go but texas i don't know it's just interesting that he made that comment already that's kind of a comment that you make like the last like one to two weeks of the season not like a month left in the season and and it wasn't just that he also said and i'm paraphrasing here Everyone talks about how the SEC is a deep competitive conference, but I haven't seen any SEC teams go into Tuscaloosa and beat that Alabama team. So that's a pretty <laughs> um, strong, you know, prideful statement for his team. But I like the advocacy for the Horns there. And he, I think he understands that after losing to Oklahoma, we need a little bit of media attention and, and support from him publicly, maybe to give us the edge here at the end of the season. Yeah, for sure. He's pulling out his uh, inner Mac. So, um, but yeah, let's talk about Kansas State for a second. Uh, they're six and two on the season, uh, four and one in the in Big Twelve play, and they've been really hot as of late. Uh, their two losses on the season is to Missouri on a last second field goal. Um, they were in that game the whole time, and Missouri's I think number fourteen in the country. I don't. No, off the top of my head, but uh, they played Georgia this weekend and then Oklahoma State, they lost to uh, in Stillwater. So both of those are not bad losses by any means. And they've kind of taken care of the other opponents that they've faced. Um, they really haven't played outside of Missouri and Oklahoma State. I wouldn't say they've played any really good teams, but Kev, uh, what have you noticed from their schedule? Yeah, I also um, thought looking at this that their strength of schedule would be pretty poor. Um, but I looked at the strength of schedule rankings, and they're actually in the top 20 of this college football season for their strength of schedule. So I think they have some more difficult games in the second half of the season still coming. And like you said, that that Missouri team is great this year. The CF people actually has them ranked at number 12 in the country, and Oklahoma State's been trending too. 
Um, it's it's concerning seeing how the, it looks like on paper they've improved as a team in in this middle stretch of the season. So they're going to be uh, a pretty big challenge this weekend, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a reason why this is uh, taking away the Alabama game. This is the lowest point spread, I think, that we've had all season. Um, I could be wrong, but I think OU was around seven. This one's like four and a half, five, wherever you like to place your bets. So it's going to be a tough game. Um, that's definitely no way to um, go about that um, differently. But um, let's look at their coach, uh, Chris Kleiman. He is at uh, he's 108 and 35 overall um, in his career. He was previously the head coach at North Dakota State uh, for four years and then came over to Kansas State. But interesting enough is that he's never been Texas, which um, Bill Snyder, you know, I don't know what his record against Texas was, but he didn't have many losses against Texas. So um, it's interesting for how good of a close, how good of a coach Kleiman is. Um, it's interesting that he's never been able to beat Texas. And honestly, I guess maybe 2019 was the closest game last year, maybe. Um, even though last year I felt like it was closer than what the actual game was. Um, um, I felt like we probably should have been Kansas state by more points than what, than we actually did, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I just think that's pretty interesting. But let's look at their quarterbacks. Will Howard is their primary uh, QB um, for the season. He's averaging about 63%, uh, 64% uh, through the air. So decent, not great. Um, only 204 yards per game, which is not a ton through the air. But he's a good runner. He's averaging five, uh, 5.8 yards a carry. Kansas State, as we all know, they like to run the ball especially with their quarterbacks and Kev, have you, um, have you been able to see some highlights of Avery Johnson or just kind of what he looks like? Some like one or two. So I won't characterize him off of quick videos I've seen, but it did surprise me looking at their stats and box scores and Avery Johnson's stats this season. This guy's getting pretty consistent and significant playing time. And you know, just on paper, you can tell he's a he's a dual threat. So I I don't know if they're doing frequent quarterback switches during games, but like I would expect this kid to play on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. He <clears throat> he's definitely been um, been playing and been playing more as of late. He if you kind of look at him, he's just tall, not very not very big doesn't look like naturally he would be that fast of a runner but he might be the fastest QB we've played all season and that's considering uh, Jalen Milrow so he is incredibly fast um he's not very big like I said but it's just funny because um for all you Spurs fans out there um Avery Johnson was a, a point guard of the first title team for the Spurs and um his nickname was a little general and probably not a lot of similarities between this Avery Johnson, but it's just funny. Uh, I think that's like the only other time I've heard the name Avery Johnson in the sports sense. Um, that wasn't the Spurs point card. So a yeah. little general. 
he did he did come to mind when I was like, wait, what? Avery Johnson, I've heard that name before, but a lot a lot of talk about him as a runner. He doesn't have nearly as many passing attempts as Will Howard, though, but his completion percentage is 72, and his average completion is like two and a half yards longer than Will Howard's. So mostly a running threat, but I think he can also pass the ball too. It'll be, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, and I think it makes game prep and defensive scheming a lot more difficult for the Longhorns this week, having to prepare for for two guys. Yeah, for sure. And uh... – I I would not expect, uh, or I definitely would expect Kansas State to throw everything out there. Um, I don't think they're going to leave anything behind because if they win this game, they have a kind of a clear path to the Big 12 title game. If they lose this game, it's going to be pretty hard for them to go back to the Big 12 title game. But uh, let's take a look at their running attack um, and more so their running backs and uh, their quarterbacks. So no more Deuce Vaughn, which is great news for all other college football teams, but not great news for Kansas State fans. But they replaced him with uh, two running backs that are very good. DJ Giddens, he is averaging 6.2 yards a carry. Very good. That's a very good average in college football. He probably will get to 1,000 yards this year unless he has some injury, which I never hope that for anybody. So hopefully that's not the case, but... He, um, watching his film, he does kind of run like Jonathan Gray, a healthy Jonathan Gray, I should say. So, uh, gotta make that make that clear because, yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, Jonathan Gray after the Achilles injury just was not the same type of running back. Um, but, um, Jonathan Gray, his sophomore year, he was about to get a thousand yards too. So, uh, before that injury, so, um, yeah, I. Essentially, like, I think he's a really good running back. He has a lot of pop to him, um, and he will be hard to tackle. Um, and then Treshawn Ward, he's a transfer from Florida State, kind of that smaller shiftier back. Um, he uh, is averaging 5.3 yards a, a carry, but he can definitely take it the distance if you're not careful. So, Kev, any thoughts on the running backs? No, just that that they're decent. I mean, we've got a really good rushing defense. It'll be it'll be an interesting matchup to watch, but that's about it. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, if they have a big day on the ground, I think that's really bad news for Texas. But we'll see. Uh, but yeah, let's go to the receivers real quick. Uh, Philip Brooks is their biggest wide receiver target. Uh, Thirty nine catches on the year. They'll go to him often. So Texas better be uh, ready um, for him and. Ben Sano is one of the, the better tight ends we'll face all year. He's really physical. He's hard to tackle. Just what you think of like a prototypical Kansas State tight end, that's who he is. And uh, he had a good game against us last year as well. So it'll be interesting to see Interesting to see how they do throwing the ball. But, um, yeah, they definitely have capable receivers and – if we're not care- careful, we can definitely be beat down the field, and that definitely happened to us a couple weeks ago against Houston. I looked at total offense and defense stats when analyzing our matchup against Kansas State and found some remarkable things about their offense that I want to share that I think will determine the outcome of this game. Uh, Kansas State is the fourth best offense on third down in the country right now. 
Uh, they're converting, I think, like 62% of their third downs, which is just ridiculous. And they're matched up against the Texas defense that is the third most effective defense in defending third down conversions in the country. So that's good on good right there. And um, it'll it'll be, you know, it's always interesting to watch third downs because you know it's a, a consequential down and and matters quite a bit for an offense staying on the field. But those are the two best aspects of Texas and Kansas State is Kansas State offensively converting those and us defending them. Um, another thing that you, are pretty noticeable stats, and this is a big difference in our offense in Kansas State's, um, they're in the top five also in productivity in the red zone. They've had 40 red zone attempts and have scored touchdowns on 33 out of 40 of those. So they're getting six in over 80% of their red zone opportunities. And Texas is only getting 48.5% in the red zone. So touchdowns per attempts. Um, Texas has to be more effective in the red zone and, and our, our defense really needs to bow up and hold them to, to field goals there. But I, I feel like what this will become is a, a field position battle and maybe a low scoring game. If, if we're able to stop them, you know, maybe to 50, 50 on third down and fight it out in, in the special teams units, it should be a very close game, but it's, it's kind of concerning seeing how effective they are on third down and in the red zone. What do y'all think about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, that's can be a crucial aspect of the game. Um, I think with on the third down side of things, it'll be really interesting to see what Kansas State will be able to do on first and down or first and second downs uh, throughout the game. If they're having a lot of third, uh, third and twos, third and threes, third and fours, rather than like third and six, third and seven, third and eights. I think that's going to be a key aspect of the game. So um, I, I I feel like the reason why they're converting a lot on third down is because of their effectiveness on first and second down, for sure. Got to stop them. Got to stop them. How about their defense? They've had some good showings the last couple of weeks. Yeah, they've only given up uh, three points the last two weeks total. So that's uh, pretty, pretty good. Um I don't know. Uh, I the last couple of weeks, I just don't know if that's like the best indication of their defense. I, I do think their defense is pretty good, but I, yeah, I just don't know. Um, I don't know if like they've truly been tested. If Quinn was playing, I think I'd be more optimistic about our offensive productivity against Kansas State. It'll be mm -hmm. interesting to see what like how much of a leash uh, Malik will have this weekend because, you know, if he starts the game slow, throws an interception, has a fumble, kind of what he did against BYU, um, with this being a bigger game, that could, you know, change the mentality of Texas more so than last week. I, I think Sark knew, even though with those turnovers last week, that Texas was still probably going to beat BYU just based on how BYU was not really – able to move the ball against our defense, but I don't know if he'll have the same type of luxury this weekend. We'll see. I, I would think you'd be better playing at home again, comfortable environment, 
you know, another full week to prepare knowing what that's going to be like on game day, but hard, hard to make the argument that the Texas offense is as effective without Quinn. We'll, we'll just have to see it. Yeah. It definitely is playing out in the line for this game. Um, So let's transition into our beloved segment betting corner and start Bowen with, you know, recent performance out of the guys and what the Texas game is looking like. Thanks, Kevin. Yep. Yep. I'll take us in the betting corner. Like you mentioned, we'll go over the leaderboard this week. There's some interesting, interesting developments this week. Um, I'll just start with me. I'm pretty consistently not doing well, but no movement from my side. Um, No movement at the top necessarily either, but our absentee, MC Jake actually had a perfect P this week. That's right, folks. He lost every single one of his bets. So fortunately for us, that is a pretty, pretty big dip into his lead. Unfortunately for us, he still has quite, quite the lead, 22 units above second place. So we have uh, quite a bit of ground to make up. But um, going towards uh, the later, the bottom parts of the standings, Ours truly, Kevin, also yeah. had a perfect P this week. Um, on on a side note, the only bet I think I won this week was is uh is fading Kevin. So, unfortunately, you know I can't get his bets preemptively, but that would be a pretty winning strategy for listeners if if if, <laughs> if they're interested in that. And um, a consistent theme, you know, listeners should know that by now. If I pick a game, you should take the opposite, and you probably do really well. I actually was thinking about asking you on Sunday if you could analyze, had I picked every game the opposite way that I have to this point, what would my total be? It's got to be in the positive. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. But, um, but yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what Kev's got this week. But the real, But the real story in the leaderboard is our dear friend Andy, the only positive return better for this past week also is not in last place anymore he is in third place on the medal stand fight for andy andy we will give you the floor what do you have to say it's truly an honor to finally move up and not uh not actually be a loser that's uh kind of been my model the last couple weeks don't be a loser um and i fulfilled that so Really thankful. I uh, just got to give a lot of thanks all around. But the biggest thing is I got to stay humble. Got to be fierce to the attack and, you know, take advantage of the opportunities that we have. The season's not over yet, and we'll see what happens. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, that'll take us into this week's matchup against Kansas State. As the guys mentioned, um, it is a pretty low uh, total. So 51 and a half. So folks, Vegas thinks that, um, you know, that if you want to bet over 50, if you think there'll be at least 52 points, you take the over um, under that, take the under, obviously. Um, it's about where it was last week. Um, but yeah, Texas is 0-4 again, or um, hitting, the, hitting the over uh, at home. So, and on the season, we are two and six. Uh, in hitting the over so maybe the under might be a good good bet for listeners we also opened as five and a half point favorites uh so vegas expects us to win by at least five and a half but that line has shifted drastically down now it's down to four and a half four even i think we've seen it in some places so 
Um, yeah, I mean, we're it's still early in the week. We'll see where it settles, but definitely, um, definitely some interesting movement here. Um, going into going into this week or going into this week's game. So we'll start with the Texas game. Fellas, are you guys liking anything? Andy, we will start with you. Do you like anything here? So in my head, after the Texas BYU game, I was like, man, I'm not feeling great about this upcoming game based on, you know, just Malik not being as efficient as Quinn looking at how Kansas State has been going. But I kind of reflected and realized that my gut feeling has been pretty bad. Uh, the last month or so I have not been accurate whatsoever so I gotta go against my gut go for better gut health I guess and uh, take Texas to cover so I'm gonna shock the nation take Texas to cover and I don't know if I feel 100% great about it but you know maybe that's a good thing for Texas Uh, and we'll see we'll see what happens but i yeah, I am going to take Texas to cover for two units. The probiotic like bet. I like that. <laughs> and really, really uh, not a scalable strategy, just just uh, hedging against your mental every time. But you know what? Hey, if it works, it works. I won't I won't I won't I won't dig it. I won't dig on it. Uh, Kevin, what about you? Anything on this Texas game? I actually updated my slate for the week after hearing that we're two and six on hitting the over so i'm gonna put two units on the under this game okay no uh no line bet this week i think very hard to predict with malik at the helm so that's for what, sure. what do you think yeah i'm i'm taking i'm taking the spread as well texas covering and i have jake's bets and he's also taking us to cover so we got we got three spread betters today and one total better. Lots of like we got all, all of us on the Texas game, so we're going to be, you know, fully fully invested with our hearts and and our wallets. So we'll see we'll see how that how that turns out. How many units does Jake have on the Texas cover? Jake has Jake has actually five units. That's a great call out. Oh, Jake man. has five units on the Texas cover, and I have three units on the Texas cover. So you Whoa. know, sizable sizable investments. So yeah, Whoa. we'll see. Um. Okay, so that takes us. That covers the rest of the tech. That covers the Texas game. We'll go elsewhere around college football or any other sports, uh, which is a little teaser into my bets. But Andy, we'll go to you first. Is there any lock of the week that you're you're liking elsewhere? Yeah, I um, I'm feeling good about Iowa State. They came through for me last week against Baylor. They play Kansas at home. Um, Kansas is coming off a generational win as the announcer said during the game, it's going to be hard for them to get back up again um, against a really good Iowa State game, uh, Iowa State team. So give me two units on Iowa State to cover. Okay, nice. Kev, what about you? I'm going to take the opposite side of that one. I think that Jason Bean or whatever his name is, is actually a really good quarterback. <laughs> um that makes and... me feel a lot better about my pick. <laughs> it should, it should. But I'm I'm taking Kansas money line in this one, so I want some, you know, plus odds here. And I've got five units on Kansas money line over Iowa State. I, I am like it way down. So my strategy for the rest of the year is either to go way further down or really accelerate and get as close to zero as I possibly can. 
I like it. I like it. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see what that what that what those end up being like. Um, I mentioned some on my my, my little teaser. I'm uh yeah, I'm not I'm not having a great season either. Like compared to y'all, maybe relatively a little bit better, but I'm I'm pretty we're pretty close. We're kind of all in the same bucket. So I, I gotta diversify. What I'm doing is I'm taking my dear friend Alex Albon to finish it points in the Brazil Grand Prix. Um, he's got plus odds on that. I'm taking two units on it. I think it ended up at like plus one twenty or so. So I'm sprinkling some F one around the bets. Gotta gotta diversify a little bit with some motorsports because I'm I'm just in a rut with college football. I can't I can't pick them right this 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 season. So hopefully that ends up well for me. So like I don't know that much about F one and I feel like our listeners, some of them know a lot because of drive uh to survive, but I feel like a decent amount probably don't know too much about F one. So can you give just like a little more context about uh this driver? Yeah, he's um he's like in one of like the back grid teams. So like the Williams team, like their car historically is not very good, but he's like been really doing really well this season. He's been like scoring like like an F1, if you have like a really good car, you're always gonna be like pretty consistently up there. Um, but he scored points like the past three races. Like I think it's been like ninth place and like barely points, but points nonetheless. So um yeah he's been he's been on a tear this season and, and really cool to see that because I, I like cheering for i guess you can call it the underdogs but he's 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 pretty fun to watch and um yeah he definitely has a is a great racer and you know I, he's got a, a great personality too so i'm definitely a big fan of his and points Kevin, for those listening that don't know is you finish top 10 in an f1 race right oh yeah good call out yeah good call out um yeah anything else to add on that kevin I know we, Kevin and I talk about F1 with our producer Ham quite often. Just that, you know, you hope he doesn't crash in qualifying or something weird like that. I've never bet on F1, but have become a bit of a fan. Um, that is a good strategy to enjoy F1 when someone like Max Verstappen has won like 80% of the races on the season. Yeah. Um, but no, not, not, a whole, not a whole lot to add there. I do have one more bet in college football that I want to talk about. Yeah, there's a a great matchup in the Pac-12. Washington is playing at USC. Um, I'm taking three units on Washington to cover that game. It looks like they're favored by three and a half. So I like Penix Jr. in L.A. And uh, yeah, that outcome is either going to take me to the top or further on the bottom. Yeah. Nice. Jake also has that same bet. So um jake's maybe not bad gonna be happy about that maybe good news <laughs> yeah. for you yeah we'll see we'll see how that how that ends up but awesome guys i'll I'll get these in i'm i'm pretty optimistic you know we're, we're we still got a lot of season ahead of us a lot of opportunity to make inroads on on getting in the positive so we'll once one step at a time one bet at a time fellas yeah as we round out betting corner i wanted to ask like a general question about this Kansas state matchup. So the difficult part of our schedule was in the front of the season. Do you two think that this is our biggest hurdle to getting to a big 12 championship? Like what does a dominant win against Kansas state potentially mean for our season? I mean, I think it's just another win. Um, 
I, TCU, they are not nearly as good as last year, but um, they play a lot better at home than they do on the road. And we unfortunately had to play them in Fort Worth. Again, I'll stick on this train, but Iowa State, I think it's going to be a really tough game. So I think Iowa State and Kansas State, I kind of view them equally in my eyes right now in toughness. Um, now, if we were playing at Kansas State, be a different story. It's just kind of kind of where things lie. So right now, yeah, obviously would love a win over Kansas State, but I, I still think there's obstacles to come. I, I don't think this season – I don't think it's like an automatic path to the Big 12 after that. Yeah. Before the season started, I picked us losing this one. So um, we'll see how that plays out in our quick predictions. It is tradition to give – quick score predictions at the end of the podcast. So um, no commentary necessary here other than the score of Kansas State visiting Texas in Austin. Andrew, what are you expecting for the score? Uh, Like I said, my head is thinking one thing. My gut is thinking one thing, but I'm going against it. 34 27 Texas victory over Kansas State. Bowen, what are you thinking? Nice. I have 28 21 in my head. I think it'll be a low scoring game. I think we stay out ahead, though. I'm going 23 20. Texas narrowly pulls it out. Um, and I, both my brain and my heart, think that, you know, don't look at the FPI predictions. I think this one is 50 50 maybe even in favor of Kansas State, actually, with our quarterback situation. So don't miss this one and um, have a good drink with you in case it goes bad. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be watching, and we'll break it down for you after the game next week. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you on the next Football on the 40. Welcome. Welcome.